You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, welcome to the Vineyard. My name's Rick Francis. I'm the pastor here. Happy early Labor Day, Pastor Rick. Indeed, indeed. It's good to see you today. It is a glorious day. It's been, are you enjoying these last several days? Just amazing. Mm-hmm. They've, they've been so nice out that I have to remind myself about wearing my hat. Because, uh, it, it, you know, the heat's not bearing down and all that. But, uh, boy, the sun will still get the old top notch. Got to be careful. Mm. Deb Graham's uh, mother is in hospice uh, at Kendrick. And so we need to just continue to lift up Deb and the family. Uh-huh. All right. Good, good, good. Yeah, she, she called on Friday when Michelle was out of the office, and I took the call and said, uh, tell Michelle thank you for her prayer. She says, Mom's improving. So she, she's continued to improve. So that's good. Let's, Lord, we, we give you thanks for Deb Graham's mother's improvement, and we pray that your presence would be with her every step of the way. And let your grace go out to Will, cause him to know that he is eternally loved. Yes. And uh, that place in his heart where that Betsy occupied, we just pray, Father, that you would fill it with your love, your care, your grace, and give him a, a good grief. Give him grace to grieve that leads to life. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you got your Bibles... Turn to Acts chapter 8. We're going to finish up on the Ethiopian eunuch. Last week was so much fun, wasn't it? I, I, I was interested that many, many of you, like me, was kind of surprised when, when the direction that Philip got came from an angel, not the Holy Spirit. But how many do we realize that the, the Holy Spirit and the angels are, are working in harmony? The angels are there to serve the Father's purposes, and uh, they are ministering spirits. They come, they're they're, they're sent with an assignment, and they come and they they lead, and they they really don't uh, decide to take matters in their own hands and says, well, God wants you to go left, but I'm going to say, go right. They never do that. They're always under the authority of God. And so it's almost seamless. It's almost seamless as we So I've enjoyed getting to know these seven guys, and we only get to know two out of the seven that uh, were, were just ordinary believing men in the church. And when that dispute about the distribution of food among the widows took place, then they, they chose these guys. They were full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, and they were serving selflessly. They were serving uh, in a wonderful, wonderful way the body of Christ. And then with the persecution, as Stephen is stoned and his death, and it scatters, it scatters the believers out of Jerusalem, just Jerusalem. They, they leave Jerusalem. They get them out. Remember, after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. And so we start to see the fulfillment of of that prophetic statement. 
and they, they're starting to move and they're, and they're going out. And now Philip goes to Samaria and we saw the great <laughs> revival that took place there. Peter and John come and they, they do some follow-up and they introduce the Holy Spirit and they uh, have an incredible impartation of ministry there. And, and they just preach all the way back to Jerusalem through all the Samaritan towns and villages. And they're having a great time. And then we pick up like we did last week with, with Philip. And, and we see Philip, after the Samaritan revival, he gets instructions from an angel. And one of the things that, that we noticed was it was amazing. The angel didn't have to say, don't be afraid. Where angels, usually that's their introductory statement. Don't be afraid because they know they scare the willies out of us. And it tells me that Philip had enough, enough encounters with the angelic that he recognized when they came. So when the angel of the Lord came and told him to take the road south uh, from Jerusalem to Gaza, it was really simple for him to, to follow that. They didn't have to waste any words. He got on the way. And then we notice that the transition shifts from an angel given directions to Philip. Now the Holy Spirit says, see the chariot? Go up there and listen in. Holy Spirit permission to be an eavesdropper. Some of you I know have got your PhD in eavesdropping. But uh, this was one of those Holy Spirit instances where he says, go up and listen. And as he listens, and the Ethiopian is, is reading in Isaiah, and uh, just he goes with it. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I if I don't have anybody to explain it to me? So he invites Philip into his chariot and he starts with the passage in Isaiah about Jesus being led to the slaughter, not opening in his mouth. And he goes from there and he explains the good news about Jesus. Now, there's, a, there's an insight here for us. When we encounter someone who has really got a heart to know God and they don't know him, this guy's already gone to Jerusalem. He, he's got a heart to know God. He went for the, for the Passover, so he, he's been there. He's seeking. You can start wherever they are and tell them the good news about Jesus. Now, this is one of the times I wish Philip would have had a scribe with him that could have taken down the conversation on the chariot. Would you like to know what they talked about on the chariot? You know, what, what Philip... We, we see that it must have been something, uh, something amazing because we, we find out that the Ethiopian eunuch had faith and he believed. <clears throat> the, the translation that I was reading, have I read the scripture yet? No. I haven't read the scripture yet. Okay, when we get to verse 37, I'll tell you about it. Okay, open up at verse 35. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? That's interesting. This next verse isn't in the earliest manuscripts. Matter of fact, it comes in the Alexandrian and it comes way late, way late. Many think that it was, you know, the apostles adding into it the stuff that wasn't recorded. 
I think it's safe to say from the dynamic that we see in the chariot that it fits. So even if it wasn't in the earliest manuscripts, I put it in our text for today. Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I think that's important. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Astos and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So we have, we have enough in, in, in the exchange between Philip and the eunuch that when they come across some water, he says, baptismal candidate right here. You know? I don't think Philip had to report it to the denominational headquarters at Jerusalem, how many <laughs> baptisms he had that year, uh, like some of us have to. <clears throat> but as, as, as he was going through that, he 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 realized that that he was ready. He wanted to be baptized. What is it about baptism? Well, baptism is one of those things that there's a lot of theological arguments, perspectives, opinions, and stuff like that. But we understand with water, water throughout scriptures always represents cleansing, a washing, you got the Red Sea opening up and they, and they go through the Red Sea and it, it also represents God's supernatural provision. And so there's water and there's cleansing. As he, as he comes to the water, they go down into the water. So a lot of folks will use this as an argument that for immersion, you know, you got to go all the way under, come all the way up. I was raised in the Methodist church, happened to be part of a local expression of that, that, that we practiced immersion. So we always went with all the way under, all the way up. But they believe also in sprinkling. Uh, he could have went down into the water and who knows, they might've had like a, a, one of those orange five gallon water jugs from McDonald's or yellow or something, you know, and he could have taken that and poured it over him, dipped it in the water and poured it. There could have been pouring. It really didn't matter to me. But for the sake of the text today, we're going to identify with immersion just for the fun of it. I've baptized where I've taken a rose, dipped it in water and baptized a person. Oftentimes little, little ones, infants, children, those kind of things. How many times should you get baptized? Do you really believe? <laughs> you know, so, some, people, some people get real nervous about that question. You know, they, think, they think, oh, I was baptized once. I can't be rebaptized. You'll be undoing the real baptism or something like that. And it's like, hey, if you're part of, of a believing family and you're an infant and you come into the kingdom, there is always the understanding that the parents cover their family the husband and the wife, they cover the children. And so to baptize a child in Christ, no no problem for me. Take the little rose, put a couple drops on their head, love them, commit them to Jesus, which is really putting their parents on charge, 
Okay, you want your son, daughter baptized? Now you make sure that they hear about Jesus. You grow them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so, so we, yeah, I'll do that. No problem. I'll dedicate children. I like dedicating children. I can, I, I'm a, I go both ways. I can baptize. I can dedicate. I, I just think that heaven loves everything. When, when, when we're talking about, you know, the Lord and, and what it means for one to know him, even from infancy. I mean, John the Baptist, he jumped in, in his mother's womb when Jesus entered. So, and he was in Mary's womb. So you, let's not get hung up on that. But here in our story, the eunuch goes down and he gets baptized. So there must have been enough in the conversation with Philip that talked about baptism, that talked about how one gets set. And, and, and you know, well, we've got denominations that if you haven't been baptized, you're not going to heaven. They believe in baptismal regeneration, where salvation is part of the baptismal experience. We believe <laughs> that if that's true, then... The guy that was crucified next to Jesus, he didn't make it. But Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. So I, I, I'm not here to start arguments and to get you all off on debates and all that kind of stuff. But there is so much, there's so much here. Baptism is an external, visible sign of a spiritual, internal reality that I have come to see my need of a Savior. I've, I've come face to face with my sin, and I see that I am forever, I'm forever lost, except for Jesus, the one who was the spotless Lamb of God, the very righteous one, became sin that I might become the righteousness of God. And so we, we see the dynamic of our need for Jesus. We cry out to him to forgive us of our sins, to come into our hearts and to take up residence and to be our Lord and Savior. And so as that reality happens, what happens is we want to give public expression to that. So we do the, the baptismal. We got our little baptism tank and it's right back there because we think it's really central to the community and it's the way to identify that I am now following Jesus. He is my Lord. And it takes a little humbling of ourselves, especially for me. You know, I, when, when I'd go get baptized, it would mess my hair up. And I'd have to be worried about what everybody's going to say when they see how my frizzy hair got. So, no. But for many people, as soon as they got baptized, they were ostracized from their community. To be a Christian meant that you are no longer a member of our family in the persecuted reality of the world. Um, Deb and I, uh, our associate pastor, married, married us, one of the ministers that participated in our wedding, Lucian Bihar is an Egyptian Jew who came to Christ. And when he came to Christ, he was disowned by his family. 
And so when he made the decision to be baptized into the faith, he lost everything with his natural family. And he was devastated. But he knew Jesus. And he knew the way. And he knew the truth. And he continued. All his family became Christians. Through the testimony and the life that Lucian lived. He's an evangelist. I, I tell you, I love hanging out with Lucian. You know how when, when you hang with, hang with someone who's got a special anointing like that, it, it just kind of leaks off on you. And, and we'd go to lunch and somebody gets saved. I mean, it's just crazy. You, you're with Lucian. Every time I'm with Lucian, somebody comes into the kingdom. And he's just an amazing, amazing man. But baptism was, was a cultural witness to the world and to that area that you now belong to Jesus. He is your Lord and you're following him. And so it was really, really, really serious stuff. <clears throat> so it's significant. The act of baptism, we, we, especially when we do immersion, as we go down into the water, we're identifying with the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're identifying with his crucifixion. And as we come up out of the water, we're washed, we're cleansed, we're identifying with his resurrection. That on the third day, he, God raised him from the grave and he became a living soul. And so the symbolic act, and, and last week, I, I, I'll just repeat for those that are here, I believe that uh, I've been doing baptism wrong. It's not the formula, but it's like once someone becomes identified as being a new creation in Christ Jesus, we not only just need the rite of baptism, but we need to impart the Holy Spirit because they are birthed into turmoil. This world is a raging war between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And so often someone goes through baptism, they come through, they have Jesus in their heart, and the evil one hits them with everything on this side of the Mississippi, and they lose they lose their encouragement. They lose their, their sense of, of really belonging. When Jesus, who, who had no sin, went through baptism, if, if he's our example of who we are, he went, it was, it was recorded in John that it was because of obedience. Because John says, I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus said, no, permit it. He had, to, he had to obey. And so as he went, he, who knew what was going to happen? Jesus goes down or he gets poured on or however it happened. And heaven opened and the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove and came upon him. And the voice from heaven said, this is my son. You're my boy. You belong to me. One of the things about baptism is it identifies that you belong to the community of faith. You have a place that you belong. We know that a, a, a lot of people can, can uh, make babies. You're my boy whom I love. And some of them aren't loved. But God speaks and says, you are my son whom I love. I have begotten you, and you are mine, and I love you. 
and with you, I'm well pleased. And so Jesus has this threefold affirmation at baptism that prepares him for everything that he encounters as he goes into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, tempted of the evil one. So the Holy Spirit comes on us. And so the baptism of the eunuch is is very, very similar. He goes down and as he comes up, he comes up rejoicing. He comes up rejoicing. Uh, One of the fruits of the Spirit, joy. He's absolutely rejoicing. Where's Philip? Philip's not there. Hold on. He took me down. He baptized me. I come up. I'm filled with joy. Where did that young man go? He's gone. Now, this is interesting. If you start to meditate about this, you know, (laughs) somehow this kind of puts a seal. It puts a seal on the dynamic. The Ethiopian eunuch understands that God is here. I don't know if he thinks maybe Philip was an angel or what he thought who Philip was, but you know what? He didn't go looking for him. He didn't say, oh, what happened? You know, if pastor comes and he baptizes you and you come out and now you've got a little attachment to the pastor, What do you do if after you come up out of the water, he's not in the tub? <laughs> Pastor, where'd you go? Come help, teach me. I don't know what to do next. What am I supposed to do? No. He's rejoicing. He's encountered the living God. He's coming out of an encounter with God that is so real and so powerful that there is nothing but joy that's going on in his heart. And it continues throughout his life. He's a a man who's in a, a, a strategic position. Church history says that because of him, he goes back and in service to the queen of Ethiopia, there's a revival that breaks out. The Ethiopian move of God started with this eunuch. Amazing. Amazing. To me, when I, when I saw that, I, I just knew it was the Holy Spirit. It has to be. You know, because I know how insecure some of our, our new believers are. They don't know what to do. They're afraid. They're, you know, the devil's after me. Oh! And, and, and there's fear, there's panic, there's anxiety. Not with this dude. He comes up and there's nothing but pure joy because <laughs> in your presence is joy everlasting. And so he has that dynamic. So what happens to Philip? Hold on. I'm a Western believer. And if it can't be scientifically verified, it can't be true. This is one of those little places in the Bible that, you know, the writer just got a little silly and, and just, because I can't get my head around it. Well, if that's where you are, your head's going to explode as you continue this walk because he delights in letting us know as it is in heaven, <laughs> so it'll be on earth. I think that's his heart. He wants to show us something. So 
one of the older texts, really interesting. If I can find that real quick. It says, uh, The Holy Spirit fell upon the eunuch, but the angel of the Lord caught away Philip. Huh. And I told you Holy Spirit and, and angels are kind of working almost seamlessly. They really like each other. The angels that didn't get kicked out of heaven really like the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit really likes to work with angels. And I kind of like this. You know, Holy Spirit goes with the Ethiopian and the angel, woof! And there we find Philip and Astas. Wow. Do you believe it? Mm. Greater things than these. Wow. Talk about power. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. I love the supernatural seal to a baptism. That just kind of really sealed it, don't you think? And he went on rejoicing. He didn't go looking for Philip. You know, did something happen and Philip is just... no. Philip shows up 15 miles away. Hmm. 15 miles. Wow. That's pretty cool. The Holy Spirit and angels, they give us direction. We'll just go to slide seven. Are we up there? Yeah, good. I put angel with a small a instead of capital A because our, 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 our focus is on the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right. Angels are ministering spirits. Hmm. The directions came from both the angel and the Holy Spirit in this passage of Scripture. Huh. The leading of the Holy Spirit Get a little closer to the chariot. The, the revelation with the fact that this man had fully believed in his heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. This shows us the power of belief and confession. Paul picks this up in Romans chapter 10. I know you're familiar with the passage, but I thought it'd be a great way to just bless, bless us with this. But, do, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. Hmm. That is the message concerning the faith we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? 
And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. There is so much power in this passage of Scripture that when the Ethiopian took and heard the word as Philip proclaimed it, and he believed it in his heart, it's with your heart that you got to believe. He didn't give intellectual assent. He believed in his heart, and he confessed with his lips, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Whoa. Baptized. I want to encourage us about the power of what we speak and what we believe. We can speak a whole lot of things that we don't believe. And they may have a little positive effect. But for power to be released... It has to be our confession based on what we truly believe in our heart. When our heart lines up with our confession, we are releasing something very powerful in the earth. So when you're having a rough day, start confessing the name of Jesus. Start crying out to Jesus. Start just speaking his name. Is there anything so incredibly amazing than the name of Jesus? You know, it's, it's one of those things that after we've been in, in the kingdom for a while, it's easy, to under, it's easy to lose the significance of the name of Jesus. It really is. I've been encouraged through all sorts of devotionals and, and other folks that I've heard that I've, I've kind of rediscovered the name of Jesus. A brother got with a, a group of intercessors the other day and they didn't really know what to do because the pastor usually come in and told them what to pray for. And so he just told them all to face the wall, face the four walls around the room, and just say Jesus until he comes. Say Jesus until something shifts. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I think I'll try it. I, I, I'm pretty easy. It's like, yeah, let's, let's go for it. So this week I'm just saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And if you start doing that, all of a sudden you realize you're not saying just a word, you're saying a person. And before long, all of a sudden that word takes on new meaning and new significance and it has a different impact on your heart because you're speaking it, you're hearing. You got to have faith. Faith cometh by hearing. Faith is in your heart. And as you speak, you're blessing your heart with the one who resides in your heart. And as he hears his name called, he shows up. So many different manifestations of the presence of God, and I want every one of them. I'm not signing up for the first 3,000. I want the infinite number of the manifestations of the presence of the living God. And I want to encourage you to, whatever you've known, just realize you're a preschooler. 
And it's time to get on to kindergarten. And let's open our hearts for the next deposit of revelation. Father, I thank you for your love. You're so good. And I thank you, Jesus, that you gave us the name above every name. I thank you that it was that name that you prayed to the Father that protects us, that you were able to give to us for our well-being. And it is our confession today from the very depths of our heart, Lord Jesus, <laughs> that you are the living, risen Lord. We say, Jesus, Jesus, just the, the mention of your name does something to us because you are so great and so wonderful, so loving and so kind. No one has ever loved us the way you've loved us. Mm, we thank you that you revealed yourself divinely to an Ethiopian eunuch. And I pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to each one of us today at whatever place we are in our understanding of who you are. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would release the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know you better. The knowledge. <coughs> the knowledge of you. The personal experiential knowing of you. I pray, Lord, come. Come and touch your people. Bring your healing. <laughs> Bring your word. Now just take a posture of receptivity. For me, oftentimes, that's just putting my hands in front of me in a receiving manner. Mm. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move now and that you would give us a grace to be a blessing. That you'd first of all come and meet the needs that we have and then hmm, overflow us. <coughs> Let there be a filling of fresh fullness that runs huh, so that we can identify with the scripture that tells us that our cup runneth over. Hmm, Psalm 23. So that we can touch and make a difference in one another's lives. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would release the anointing that was upon Philip to hear you, to be at home with angels <coughs> that would be obedient to your voice and that would lead others to salvation. I pray for the anointing of an evangelist to be imparted upon us as a community. That we would stop looking for who's the evangelist in the fivefold <laughs> ministry, but we understand that we're all called to be like you, Jesus. And just as Philip was obedient, may we be obedient. And may we see this year <laughs> at least one person 
who has come into the kingdom because you used us in their lives. So we make ourselves available in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Mm. Now ask the Holy Spirit for something for someone here today that you could bless them with. A word, an act, a hundred dollar bill. One way that you can bless somebody. And let's be obedient. We thank you, Jesus. We love you. We acknowledge that you are our king. Amen. Amen. You are free to bless one another in the name of Jesus. If you have special need and want special ministry prayer, always feel free to come to the front. Um, we just have so many that's already been through the School of Kingdom ministry and, and, and so wonderfully prophesy and minister to one another. Uh, don't feel like you have to wait till you come up here. Minister to one another everywhere. But if you have a specific need and you want specific prayer, we want to pray with you. God bless you. Outside of that, enjoy the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice. Go just like the Ethiopian eunuch and just keep rejoicing as you go. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.